0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises.
1: Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. There are about 100 million lawsuits that are filed every year. And so many of you are going to be involved in some sort of litigation at some point perhaps even in the near future, and perhaps you're even involved in some legal activity now. I'm really interested in talking to today's guests about how litigation is changing, and in particular, um, whether or not more lawsuits are being filed um, right now, and some, some savvy ideas and recommendations for what it means to be in litigation and, and how you can um, you know, avoid uh, some of the pitfalls so I'm happy to have on today's show Lee Davis and Ingrid Daniel from Lee Davis Law. So welcome to the show.
0: Uh, thank you. It's great to be here. Thank
1: so you. Lee, as I uh, as we were talking yesterday, I wanted to get some recommendations for savvy savvy um, CEOs who are typically uh, people the people who are listening to our show about lawsuits and litigation. So start us off there.
0: Uh, well, I think the first thing that uh, I would tell people is n- just because you find yourself in a lawsuit doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It's it's uh, I see it as kind of being a, a sign of growth uh, because you get your business is going to get to a certain point where it's almost unavoidable that you're going to find yourself in some type of legal trouble. Either uh, you've run afoul of something that a customer expects uh, you to have delivered, or a customer has not paid you for what you have delivered. So really, it's kind of a, uh, a rite of passage. So the first thing I would say so, okay, is... You, you know, you,
1: okay, so it's growing pains. It is growing nurses. pains.
0: That's exactly right. You know, just like the the growing cost of insurance, uh, the larger you get or uh, the higher uh, payroll costs. It's just one of those things that the bigger you get, the more you can probably expect it and the more you should probably uh, budget for it, to be honest, because it is something that I see as eventually being unavoidable. The larger you get, mm.
1: and and so in terms of budgeting for it, what are your recommendations there?
0: Well, it's kind of hard to say uh, in terms of you know what a lawsuit's ever going to cost because uh, while the vast majority of them uh, settle long before they ever go to trial, it, it really depends on on the parties. Uh, it depends on what the nature of the dispute is, how contentious it is, uh, whether um, you've got strong personalities uh, in the case. But you know, in terms of of budgeting, what I really mean is not so much setting aside litigation costs as just one of those things—a contingent, uh, kind of a contingent line item in your budget. That you know, this is something that you know could could come up, and we need to keep it in mind uh, in the in the upcoming year. Mm-hmm.
1: And what are some other uh, recommendations that that you have for for savvy business owners and, and CEOs who are listening to the show?
0: Well, litigation, by the nature of it, is expensive, and as much as I try, and I generally I really do genuinely try uh, to keep it uh, as uh, as low cost as possible so I don't price my clients out of the uh, out of the market. Uh, it's still expensive. There's a lot that goes on in lawsuits, uh, even simple lawsuits. And if you insist on having a jury trial or the other side insists on having a jury trial, there's certain costs that you just simply can't get away from. Uh, really, you can expect that you know just the absolute cheapest you can get through a jury trial, even if you don't do any type of discovery or any of the other things that generally drive up the cost of a, of a case, you're still looking at probably twenty-five to $30,000. And that's just bare bones. Mm-hmm.
1: And for somebody who's thinking about potentially um, filing a lawsuit, how do they rationalize the cost of that?
0: I would say that it needs to be your last resort. It always needs to be your last resort. It should never be the first. Uh, you should, uh, there's several different things you should try first before ever resorting to litigation, and that's what I'll tell my clients when they come to see me. Uh, you should always try to work it out first uh, without lawyers. If that doesn't work, you engage someone who is not, I think, prone to uh, jump straight to a lawsuit. You uh, you you know you can reach out to the other side, and there's a lot you can do that will actually uh, help pave the way for uh, even if it doesn't settle the case, can help pave the way for a more um, uh, less contentious uh, lawsuit if one has to has to be filed. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, I, I know it sounds cliche, but just picking up the telephone and talking to someone, you can have genuine uh, disagreements about what a clause in a contract means, but you don't have to be ugly about it.
1: And so for people who are feeling, because a lot of times I imagine somebody feels wronged, right? They feel That's wronged right. and they they're trying to settle a conflict and then they can't get to some sort of meaningful resolution, and so you end up in court. How do people um, deal with that sense of being wronged, put it in some sort of rational framework, Mm -hmm. and and try to have that difficult conversation in a more dispassionate and neutral way?
0: Well, that's why sometimes it's important to go to a lawyer, because it is hard to put aside that feeling uh, of being wronged, of, of being the first person uh, kind of experience of the, of, the, uh, of the lawsuit or the dispute. Um, and it's important to get objective advice, which to me is the most important uh, role that a lawyer plays for anybody, is uh, be able to sit down, be dispassion- be dispassionate about the case, be dispassionate about the parties, the facts, look at it from a uh, long-range view and kind of from um, you know without any emotion and then tell the client uh, you know exactly what you think about the case whether it's a good case whether it's a bad case whether it's somewhere in the middle um, and give uh, don't be afraid to give you know uh, to give uh, bad news that's sometimes that's the best uh, service that we can give is is to tell people bad news and you know it's hard. Nobody likes to do that, but uh, it's one thing that you absolutely, you know, absolutely need as a client. Is sometimes you need to hear the bad news.
1: So, what about in your own own practice in your own business? Um, has there ever been a time when you've been upset and been wrong, then you have to be the one that's going to be okay? Like you know, let me take it down a couple notches and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. This thing that I'm really angry about or upset about, and have this conversation in a dispassionate way. Have you ever had to do that yourself?
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, For one reason or another, uh, I think law firms end up being at the end of the line when it comes to uh, people paying their bills. I don't really understand (laughs) why. I mean... If there's if there's anybody you don't want to you know that you that you want to pay, it's it's your lawyer. I yeah, mean, you gonna,
1: don't want to like not pay the right. litigation attorney right? right like that's not real smart.
0: And you know there's times <laughs> when uh, there's times when people take it out on you when their case doesn't go the way that, that they want it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I could do everything exactly right. You know what Most of the time uh, most cases will depend on just a, a different point of view. As I always tell people, there's there's always at least one person who disagrees with you, and if there's one person, there might be twelve. You could do everything right, and sometimes it still goes wrong, and and clients blame me, and then they refuse to pay. And yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put the emotion aside. I totally understand where the clients are coming from uh, with that. And generally, what I do is I'll seek advice from one of my other uh, from one from a colleague or someone who's not inside my firm who's who doesn't have the. Uh, relationship to the to the financial need that you know might be represented by the uh, by the dispute so um, it, it is important to get objective advice and I, I recognize that and, and you know and, and also I think I, I have I come at it with the added benefit of kind of understanding exactly what it is that I would be buying into if I decided uh, that I had to pursue somebody so um, it's something like I said. You know, litigation should be the last, the last uh, option. You know, mm-hmm. only when you don't have any other options to to finish or to, to try to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means swallowing your pride and moving on, mm-hmm. putting it in the rearview mirror. Sometimes that's the best option.
1: Okay, so for yourself, when you're when you're looking at, um, you know, an unpaid, let's say, you know, an uh, an AR. Mm-hmm. At what point do you make the decision that okay, this is worth pursuing or it's not worth pursuing?
0: I usually make it pretty quickly. Um, I will have uh, someone other than me contact uh, the person. If it's more than about forty-five to sixty days, I will have someone other than me contact uh, the client and just say, "Hey, look, we're watching your account. You know, we need you to uh, address this." I'm not a bank. I don't. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not in the business of extending credit. So. You know, I I want those things paid on time, and you know, I'll give I'll give people a little leeway, but not a whole lot because I found uh, early on in my career, I had a client tell me uh, that what I saw as maybe cutting him a break and doing him a favor uh, was actually working the opposite direction. I had a client that didn't pay me for four or five months. I continued to do work for him. Uh, His business tended to have large swings in income and uh, expenses. And so I knew that I was just somewhere down the line. I knew that I would probably get paid eventually. And so I tried to cut him a break. And after about six months, um, I came to him and I said, look, this has gotten out of hand. I really need to be paid. And he told me, he's like, you know what? You weren't the squeaky wheel. You let me dig too big of a hole and now I can't get out. And so now I just don't let people dig a hole. So I would say, you know, have very strict AR guidelines. It doesn't have to be quite as quick as maybe I am. You know, be very strict with it and then follow it. You know, set a set a timetable. If, it, if the bill's not paid in 30 days, you start calling and then you start escalating. And, uh, you know, sometimes the hardest thing for people to understand that a good client is one that that sends you repeat business but also pays their bills on time. If they're just sending you a lot of business but they're not paying, they're the opposite of a good client. In fact, they're the worst client you can have. Because they're taking up your time and then they're not paying for it. And that's they're taking time away or they're taking product away that you could be selling to somebody else who could be paying for it instead. So I, I have a pretty quick trigger with stuff like that. And I think, I think everybody probably should because um, usually these lawsuits involve the situation that I said a minute ago where you've let somebody dig too big a hole for them to get out of. They don't have the, uh, the resources to pay at once. And so then they have to start finding reasons why they don't have to pay in their own mind. And uh, whether that's a legal excuse or whether it's a defense, um, whatever, that's where those usually pop up is when they're called on to pay and they can't. Now they have to try to find a way out. So, you know, be quick on it. Don't let the problem uh, develop. And if it does, um, you know, escalate it quickly and cut it off if you have to. And that way, if you can keep the number at something that you can live with, then maybe you avoid the expense of litigation.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm hearing you say um, is whether or not it's with AR or other issues, um, that your recommendation is to have the difficult conversation as early as possible. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, you can do it in a nice way. You know, th- when I say you have a difficult conversation, you don't necessarily have to be a jerk about it. You just pick up the phone and say, hey, you know, look, this, uh, uh, you know, just tell me what's going on. Mm-hmm. I just need to know. And, you know, a lot of times just that that initial phone call, uh, I find that that initial phone call kind of helps people like, yeah, I really need to take care of this. Uh, I've been kind of lax about it. Um, I think we all find ourselves in that position from time to time. Sometimes it's a cash flow issue. Sometimes it's something just gets misplaced, you know, and sometimes it just it's just that phone call to say, you know, to kind of call you back to your obligations. And I find that that works quite a bit. Or, you
1: know, you surface some sort of a lack of clarity in the original agreement that you had. And, you know, rather than letting it drag out, you know, bringing that to the attention of the other party and getting that, um, that uh, you know, discrepancy or the, getting the confusion resolved early prevents it from getting out of hand.
0: Oh, absolutely. If, there's, if, if you are seeing uh, one provision in a contract two different ways, it's much better to learn that early on than it is later on um, when it could cost you a whole lot of money. So yeah, if someone uh, if there's a if there's a legitimate dispute and um, you know that's causing the bill not to be paid or it's causing some type of performance not to be taking place, it's always better to pick up the phone and say, "Hey, look, you know what's going on? Uh, I'm not getting what I think I should be getting here. Why?" And kind of try to flush out the issue early on. It, it's not comfortable. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, but you know, I think that that people tend to respect uh, the forward approach. And so that's what I recommend. That's what I do when I get involved for somebody. Generally, the first thing I do is I pick up the telephone mm-hmm. and there's a lot of times when that will resolve the problem. Sometimes it just needs to be, um, uh, the idea that, that somebody on the outside looking in, uh, makes the phone call and says, look, I, this is how I see it. I understand there might be a dispute, but this is how I see it. You got to understand that at least one other person sees it my client's way. Mm-hmm. Great.
1: Well, uh, for those of you listening, we're talking to uh, Lee Daniels.
0: Lee Davis. Lee, Lee Davis. <laughs> sorry, an angered Daniel.
1: <laughs> Apologize. Mm-hmm. From uh, Lee Davis Law. So, about litigation and, um, and lawsuits and, and some you know, recommendations that might be a little bit counterintuitive. I want to turn the conversation to, to your law firm and how you've grown the firm. And you call yourself a different firm. That's right. Why is that?
0: Um, I uh, I was admitted to practice in 1997, and I've worked in law firms of all sizes at this point. And um, this is this is probably the purest refinement of my um, philosophy on on the practice of law. What I have right now, and that is that based on what I have seen in other types of firms that I have worked on or worked in, I should say, uh, this is how uh, I can be free to work. The way that I think is best for clients. Um, my philosophy has always been, if I do my things the right way, the money, the business development will come. And that's worked pretty well for me over the years. So I don't do a lot of advertising, although I do do some. Uh, most of it is word of mouth. Most of it is uh, repeat business from from customers and, and things that have come from people that are satisfied with the way that I do it. And the way that I do it is that I am just a regular person. I'm, I'm just the guy that you hear you know, on this microphone right now, there's nothing, um, there's nothing pretentious about me. There's, uh, I don't see myself as being better than anybody else. This job is, I'm just a lawyer. I know a lot of people that are are in love with the idea that they they have a law degree and that they're lawyers. That's not me. I, I see myself. This is just what I chose to do. Um, I would be the same person if I was a plumber or a framer or an auto mechanic. I'm just me, and this is this is the talent that. Chose me when I was deciding what to do, and that kind of comes through in the way that I try to um, try to interact with my clients. Uh, I tend to speak very uh, directly and uh, without a lot of legalese. I try to explain things in terms that the clients can easily understand, rather than throwing out a bunch of Latin phrases or complicated legal theories. I, I try to boil. It.
1: Smiling, yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs>
0: I try to boil it down to its most basic elements and and explain it in ways that the client can understand. And, and about five years ago, I sent out emails to my repeat clients and I asked them, why do you keep coming back to me? And I wanted to know for marketing uh, purposes, but I asked them, why, why do you keep coming back to me? And it was amazing the number of uh, responses that I got from totally independent clients from totally different businesses that came back that were almost verbatim, word for word. And it was all about how easy it was to work with me in in, in relation to other attorneys that they had had in the past. So mm. that's what I do. I just try to be myself. I try to just be a regular person and uh, try to help people through what is probably one of the worst times of their life. Mm-hmm. It's a very stressful thing. Right. And,
1: and Ingrid, one of the things that... um we discussed is this team, team approach and, and you as a team manager, which is different than how other other firms manage manage the process. So explain to us what this team manager is and how it develops and how it, it has you function as a team member with, with your clients and why that's important.
2: I think for being a team manager, um, it represents you're seeing yourself and the entire firm as a full relationship, uh, an organization that doesn't see themselves separate. Um, the individual components: the attorney who's doing his part, the accountant that's doing her part, the opposing attorneys, and even your client. It's all we're all one on a one team to be able to resolve and and do right by our clients. And I think for me as a team manager, it it, it it represents taking the load off those things that the attorney doesn't have to focus on. He focuses on the case itself. And my my role is to ensure that the rest of the team is doing the same thing of focusing on those uh, critical areas that are uh, their expertise so that they can feed that back up to the attorney so that he can make the decisions based on his Interaction with the clients, I, I think outside of not having that in place, you're going to find that people are maybe uh, doing things on their own, but they're not seeing that big picture. And that big picture is that client, and 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 making sure that that client gets what they're needing. Our firm, um, Lee, Lee. So let me ask you a question <laughs> on that because uh, I litigation is stressful.
0: It's mm-hmm. very stressful. Yeah,
2: like
1: I. I um... Got called in for a uh, um, U.S. Department of Justice case. You know, and I was peripheral, thank mm-hmm. God. Um, <laughs> but it was—it made me crazy for like a year, right? Because um, this thing, these things take forever to resolve, right? And then all of a sudden, like all this money is going out the door, and you're like crazy. So, how do you be supportive to clients that are like losing their marbles? You know, especially if they're the one being sued or they're upset and feel. Wrong than upset and righteous because they are if they're the, the plaintiff in the case, how do you manage all those
2: emotions so effectively? For me, I see that person as if they're family. And having having the the idea of if you're a family, you're gonna treat them in a way that makes them feel feel comfortable in your presence. I think all my conversation, all of Lee's conversation, all of our team's conversation with that client is to ensure them, that even in the midst of all that's going on, we're reassuring you that we're working to uh, ensure a good outcome, and hopefully that will be a good outcome that you can live with. Clients, once they once they initially meet with us, we've developed that relationship. We start to build on that relationship with that client from the time to get in that door. It's we know who you are and what what your case is about, and our expectation down the road of we're we're here. To, uh, for you. Um, we're, n- we're not um, just seeing you as a number. You're a client. You're a relationship to us. And that's critical uh, for us as a firm. And I think that's what's um, the thing that makes us different, that we care about you as an individual personally. And then as professionally, we know that, yes, it's a job that we have to get done. But we realize that you're not a number and you're not going to be treated in that form. And we're going to pick up the phone when you need us. Uh, Oftentimes clients call and Lee may be working on something, but he will take that call because for him, it's important enough to take that call. Even if it's two minutes, he's answered that client, um, responded, and now they're back in a comfortable position that they can move on with their life decision or their daily uh, routine until that next portion of their cases come up. And now we need to put more work into that particular case.
1: So one thing I, I, that's important for me to do, and and for for this, when we start to talk about the team and the culture of the company, and everybody says without exception that it's the team and the culture that's made them made them successful mm-hmm. and has them grow. So how do you you use some big words like we care about clients and family, right? How do you institutionalize those values? Because you know there are a lot of companies that say a lot of things. Um, that don't necessarily translate into their day-to-day operations or how they treat clients, or you have one part of the business, you know, maybe Ingrid that's doing this and has those values, but then you have some other person or paralegal or whoever that doesn't necessarily behave or have that, that same ethos.
0: Well, um, that's easy enough. I, I am very, very selective about the people that I work with, not clients, but the people that I, that I bring on uh, to work with me. And that is, uh, I tend to be a very empathetic person. Um, it makes a it makes it difficult uh, on me to do the job, but I think that in the end, it benefits the clients because I think it makes me part uh, psychologist and part lawyer at the same time. And that's I really do think that that's where the team approach comes from from the uh, the idea that we can empathize with. As you were saying, it's extremely stressful. It's stressful for us. It's stressful for. It's even more stressful for the clients. I've seen. You know, clients break down over cases that were not emotional, that were not, uh, that did not involve a loved one who was uh, maimed or or killed and something. Just something as routine as a um, as a as a busted roof. Uh, you know, just something that that is. It, it just wears on you uh, so badly over time. I recognize that the idea is not just to, not just to bring in a victory, but to. Bring it to a close as quickly as I can, so that you know in an effective way, uh, so that we can end that stress. It's not just a financial stress; it is it's an extremely emotional process. I tend to try to explain it to clients in our first meeting that it's somewhat like uh, a country when it goes to war. All of a sudden, everything revolves around feeding the war machine, and that's what that's what litigation becomes. It becomes everything kind of revolves around feeding that litigation. And um, I wish I could change it. I really do. I, I, you know, That's one thing I would love for clients to understand, that the lawyers are very frustrated with the way the system works, too. I get extremely frustrated. It moves slowly. It's expensive. It's stressful. It wears people out. That's why so many cases settle, in my opinion, is because people just can't get to where it. they can't they take can't it take anymore. anymore. They just can't take it anymore. And it wears them down, and it ends up making the money that they have to pay to make it go away... More attractive. Mm-hmm. So, I, and that's, that's how, it, that's how we keep it in the, that's how we keep that team culture going throughout the the organization. I'm extremely, very uh, selective about the people that I choose to work with. Uh, I, I hire very slowly and I fire quickly if I have to. If it doesn't work, you know, sorry, that's just the way that it is. It's, you know, got to move on. Mm-hmm. So, then what are your
1: best recommendations for dealing with stress? How do you deal with stress? I would imagine kind of a stressful job, just a little.
0: You know, I have lots of hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have I have a wide uh, range of interests outside of the law, and so I, I channel a lot of my uh, stress and energy into that. And, and I tend to do things that, that make me focus on things other than what uh, the things are that wake me up in the middle of the night. Oh. And, so
1: not cerebral uh, stuff.
0: No, not usually. It's something that, that I can do I don't, I don't think about the law because I have to think about whatever I'm doing. And it just kind of puts it in the back of my mind.
2: What about you, Ingrid? Uh, for me, it's uh, volunteering and definitely gardening. So Ali and I share that passion of gardening. So sometimes we have discussions about the crops and stuff that we're growing. But for me, that's the peace place um, that I don't have to necessarily think about this thing of work and and but it gains me the energy that I need to be able to do the next things that's necessary and really put put me back in a frame of mind that really brings me peace comfort um so for me that's the gardening part is really getting there to the point where I'm I'm at peace and I can now do more for our clients
1: right so as we close the show, I'd love to hear about anything new that's happening in your practice, uh, Lee, that you think our CEO listeners would be interested in, in hearing. Uh,
0: well, actually, um, it, we, we are, this is kind of a transitional uh, time for us. One of my uh, partners uh, who had been with me for quite some time uh, got a job as a diplomat. And uh, so as I, uh, she went to be a senior attache at the Irish Consulate General, so um, as I said, this is kind of uh, the whole concept behind Lee Davis Law has been uh, distilled down into its purest form at this point. So uh, this is, I guess you could look at this as probably the uh, the fifth version of uh, my law practice in the sense that I started out at a small firm. I went to a large firm. I started my own firm. I started another firm. And now uh, this is the first time that I have done it without a partner. So. That's the, uh, you know, this is, you're going to get the, uh, the straight stuff right now at Lee Davis Law. This is me, and this is, uh, is going to be me working on your case, no matter what. Great.
1: Well, for those of you listening, as you can hear, we've been talking to Lee, Lee Davis and his team manager, uh, Ingrid Daniel. Thank you so much for a great show. Thank you. And you've been listening to CEO Exclusive Radio. I'm your host, Soyini Koch, and I hope you have a profitable, productive, and very prosperous week. Thanks.
0: This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at AnonaEnterprises.com.